If you have your Bibles, please turn to the book of 2 Corinthians. I get the opportunity to return to our series in the book only for a week, and then we're going to next week be at Hubbard Park. So if you are planning to join us for worship next Sunday, do not come to this building. We'll see you at Hubbard Park. We're going to have an outdoor picnic. The worship service, by the way, begins at 1015. I know you're used to the worship service beginning at 11. I really did not want to, in the heat of the day outside, be preaching while you guys are sitting with the heat beating down on you. So I purposefully, with a reason, moved it to 1015, not because I don't like it, not because I'm mean and want to get out of bed earlier. I want you to enjoy the worship service, and I feel like earlier in the day would be a little more enjoyment, right? So We'll see you at 10.15 in the morning, Sunday at Hubbard Park. We'll wrap things up around 11.15, 11.30, and then we're going to, for the rest of the four and a half hours, we have some food, got some games, competitions. We're going to have trophies, prizes, medals to give out. It's going to be a blast. We've got inflatables. We've got water uh, games and inflatables and, and slides that aren't wet for kids who don't want to get wet. But as I said before, uh, come prepared to be wet, and don't worry about dressing nice for the worship service, just wear whatever you're going to wear for the picnic, and we're going to have a great time together. That is next Sunday, so we will not be here, and I'm going to step away from this series and preach a shorter message because here's some news for you. Uh, I talked with the Spanish ministry, Pastor Rafino. Uh, they have a ministry that meets in the afternoon, and we're going to uh, preach together. He's going to preach. I'm going to preach. He's going to preach in Spanish. I'm going to preach in English, so we're going to get some interpreters to interpret both, and his uh, church is going to join us, and we're going to have a great time together. We don't really do much with the Spanish ministry that meets here in the afternoon, and God laid on my heart to, to get to, together for some unity, and I think in a practical way this Sunday, and so I'm greatly looking forward to that. So if you have folks that are looking for a Spanish church, invite them to the picnic because they'll meet the Spanish pastor and the church at the picnic. Uh, maybe they speak uh, Spanish as a first language, maybe the only language. Bring them to the picnic on Sunday next week. Okay, so we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and uh, we're going to pick up here in verse number 11. We're going to be looking at verses 11 through 18 today. Going to wrap up this chapter is my goal. And so let's look at now at verse number 11. O ye Corinthians, our mouth is open unto you. Our heart is enlarged. Ye are not straightened in us, but you are straightened in your own bowels. Let me clarify what that word straightened means. It means closed. So the Apostle Paul is basically saying, we didn't close you out. I didn't shut you out. I haven't closed my heart to you. He says, unfortunately, you have straightened or some of you have closed or shut me out. Parents, you ever feel that way? Like you just love your children. You adore them. You would do anything for them. And you're like, how can I get across to them the truth that I'm not shutting them out? You're shutting me out. Well, one way is you can tell them, right? You know, that's what the Apostle Paul did. He told the Corinthian church who he treated like children. He says, guys, you may think that I've shut you out. You may think that I'm upset with you because of that first letter. If you were around for this series in 1 Corinthians, it was some pretty intense stuff. And some people don't take criticism well, right? Some people take it hard. They take it personal, more so than it's intended. And I guarantee you there were some people in that church who thought, wow, now Paul hates us. He, he, he thinks we're horrible people, and, and he doesn't love us anymore. And so in, in chapter 6, the apostle Paul is reminding them, hey, no, I know, I know my last letter is hard. I know the last conversation we had was difficult. Parents, right? 
I know son, daughter, I know last night was hard. We talked last night. There's some tears flowing, and it was not an easy conversation. I know that. But this morning, I want you to remember, I'm not shutting you out, okay? Please don't shut me out. I love you dearly. Parents, tell your kids that. There's nothing wrong with telling them over and over again the same thing, by the way. That's what Christ does. So many truths in the Bible are repeated, right? God doesn't just give us a truth one time, it's never mentioned again. There are many truths repeated often in Old and New Testament. Repeat the important truths to your children over and over and over again, and this needs to be one of them. I'm not shutting you out. So that's what that word and phrase means when it says straightened. He says, essentially, uh, we're enlarged. We want to be enlarged to you, meaning not only am I open, like I'm all open, like my life is yours, child. My life is yours. My heart is yours. My, 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 my thoughts and my hope and dreams are yours. That's, I want the best for you. He then goes on to say in verse 13, now, for recompense in the same, I speak as unto my children, but ye also enlarge. So he's saying, I want to return to you love, but you've got to stop shutting me out. You know, teens, there's no young children in this room, I don't think, mostly teens and up. And so teens, you know, a lot of times you don't feel loved by your parents. You know why? It's because you shut them out. Your parent, you can't feel love when you've churned off the love. When you, when you go home and close the door and say, my parents don't love me, and you lock the door, how can your parents prove otherwise when you've locked them out of your room? How can your parents prove that they love you when literally every waking moment you want to be anywhere else but near them? How can they show you love? How can they show you that their heart is enlarged to you? How can they offer you that truth when you won't talk with them? That's what is going on here in Corinthians. Now, this is a letter, a little easier to write things than it is to look in someone's eyes and say this, but teens, this is what's going on with a lot of you. I am sure that in this room, there are some in this room, adults included, where our parents are scoundrels, okay? We grew up with some parents who, who made mistakes, some big mistakes. I'm not one of them. I had good parents, but I'm sure there's some in this room whose parents were not good. I get that. But listen, if you're here in this room, I think that that's at least some evidence that you want to do good and do right. And so teens, if your parents are in this room, there is some evidence that they want to do, to do right by you. Open back up the door, leave it unlocked, and let your parents have that conversation with you and allow their love to be enlarged in your life. Now, this text is not from a parent to a teen, but it is from a pastor to a church who we thought of as his family. And moving on to verse 14, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? So this is a famous text. I'm not going to read the rest of the verses. I will read them as I preach through them throughout the morning. But I, I think that this is a fantastic text. And do you notice where it falls? So the Apostle Paul talking to a church saying, hey, you've shut me out, but what are they, who are they not shutting out? They're not shutting out the world. He says, I want to love you. I want to embrace you. I want to enlarge my life in your life and offer you whatever I can. But you've locked the door. You won't let me in. And you've opened your door wide to the world. That is what's going on in this text. And the Apostle Paul is very concerned for the Corinthian church. He's basically saying, you've locked the door on the wrong person. You're allowing the stalker to come in your room and your parents can't. You say, Pastor Russ, that's silly. You know how many teens are on their phones? 
know how many stalkers are online? <laughs> no, they literally, literally, not even metaphorically, literally are opening up their lives to countless stalkers on social media, online. And the people that love the most aren't allowed in their room. And the church does that to God. We are shutting God out and opening our hearts to the world. Now, here's the, here's the thing. The world is also saying, our heart is enlarged to you. We want to love you. The world is also saying, open up your door. We want to offer you the best. It's almost like a room with two doors. And the church is in this room, and there's people knocking on both doors. And God says, I'm knocking. Let me in so I can come in and have dinner with you. Let me in so I can come in and sup with you. And the world is saying, knocking, let us in. We want to fix all your problems. God's not the answer. The church isn't the answer. The Bible's not the answer. It's all a bunch of foolishness. The world says, we are the answer. We have the answer. Let us in, the world says. And here's the church. Here's Christians, here's teenagers, here's adults hearing the same thing from each door. God says he has the truth. The world says they have the truth. God says he is the way. The world says we are the way. God says let me in so I can connect with you. The world says let us in so we can connect with you. God says I want to fix all your problems. The world says we want to fix all your problems. You're hearing the same thing from two doors. Who do you believe? Which door do you open up? And too many Christians have made the wrong decision. They shut God out, and they open the door to the world and say, come on in and bring whoever you want into my life because you must know what's best for me. And only when they've experienced pain, destruction, only when they've experienced the lies and deception of the world do they realize, I let in the wrong person. Now, some Christians say, well, Pastor Russ, actually the opposite is true. Because I let God in, and all I've experienced is lies and deceptions. No, no, no. you got to get us something straight. Just because someone said they were sent by God doesn't make it true. In the Old Testament, there's a story of a prophet who was sent by God to a king to tell this king some important news. And God told this prophet, when you go to this king, this is in Israel, he says, when you go to this king, go tell him the news, go back home, do not stop to sleep, do not stop to eat, do not stop to rest, stop for no man, stop for nothing, and give the news and go back home. It's in the Old Testament. We're told, by the way, not given his name, a young prophet little naive. I love how God uses young men. I love that God doesn't wait till we're 50 or 80 or, you know, whatever to use us. God uses young men. Unfortunately for this young man, he allowed his foolishness to, to direct him rather than God's word. God said, go to the king, give the message, come back home. This young man goes to the king, stands up, by the way, courageous. I, I would have loved to have been there. I'm, I'm assuming this young man's in his 20s. He's against an older king who is a cruel, cruel man. People died at his bidding, right? It's like, you're done. Chop off his head right here. Don't, don't even leave the room. Bring the ax here, chop off his head. Like, it's done right there, okay? This is not the guy you want to mess with. This young man He's like, you know what? God wants it. I'm doing it. They chop off my head. They chop off my head, man. I'm going to do this thing. This young, bold, courageous man sold out for God, like as much as you can be, walks into the palace of this king unbidden. Can you picture this? Head high, I bet. Shoulders back, right? The pride of a young man, right? Probably stepping loudly as he comes in, making noise. Yep, I know you're all looking at me. You do what you want. Say what you want. I'm here for God. He gives the king his message from God, and then he walks out. The king says, no, no, stay here. He says, I can't 
God said, I need to go right back home. Please stay the night. We have some food for you. No, I'm not staying. I'm following God. I'm out of here. Can you imagine the emotional high this guy must have felt? Like, I just, like, snubbed my nose at the king. God was with me. Woo! He doesn't get better than that, right? He's walking back home. And news spreads like wildfire of this young prophet. Like, who is this guy? Anyone know his name? No, I don't know his name. Does he have a name? Where did he come from? There was another man, a self-proclaimed prophet. Another man who was older, who wanted to meet the young prophet, I think because this older man wanted the popularity this young man just received. And so this older prophet meets the young prophet on the path back home. And he says, hey, Come to my house, spend some time, stay the night. I want to get to know you, bud. And the young prophet says, I can't. God won't allow me. The older prophet says, oh, no, no, no. No, it's okay. God told me that it's okay for you to come home with me. And the young prophet says, oh, well, in that case. (laughs) Ah, He goes home. I don't really know what's going on with this older prophet. I say self-proclaimed. Sometimes God uses crazy people to do crazy things. I can't imagine this older prophet being a godly man lying to the face of this young man. But God does use this older man, whether he was a prophet before, a prophet who fell out with God, or a man who claimed to be a prophet, and God said, you want to be a prophet? I'll let you be a prophet. I don't know which one it was. But as the young man is eating, God actually gives the older man a prophecy. And the older man starts speaking up through the prophecy, through the inspiration of God. He says to the young man, uh, you disobeyed God, so you're going to be killed tomorrow on your way home. <laughs> what? Come on, give the kid a break. He was just following God's instruction. No, he wasn't. God's instruction was to go back home. But he was following the prophet who, said to claim, who claimed he came from God. Exactly. A claim doesn't make it true. As the story goes, the young man, I think, knew God well enough to know he's not messing. He knew he was going to die. Walks home, a lion kills him. Dies. What a bright future this young man could have had. So bright. Dies. Because he listened to the wrong guy rather than God. All right. My point is this. You say, Pastor Us, I opened the door to God, and all I experienced is chaos. No, you didn't, because I, care, I promise you this. If it was God, you would not have had chaos. I'm not saying not difficulties, trials, difficulties for sure. Chaos, no. If it was God, you would have had peace through the trials, not chaos and trials, okay? If it was God, you would have had victory, not defeat. If it was God, you would have had hope and joy, not discouragement, If it was God, you would have known it was God. You opened the door to someone claiming to be from God, a pastor, a teacher, a relative, and they did you wrong, like this prophet, supposed prophet, did wrong to the young prophet. And they say, I came from God, listen to me. And you, like a young, dare I say it, fool, believed him. And you say, well, if they said they're from God, I mean, they wouldn't lie, right? (laughs) No one ever lies, especially people who claim to be Christians like they never lie. And so you believed a liar who hurt you, and you were naive enough to believe it was God who hurt you. 
It was not God. It was a liar who claimed to be from God who hurt you. And so what did you do? You say, well, that didn't work. Let's try the world. Score one for Satan. He sent someone to you claiming to be from God to get you to turn away from God to the world, which is what he wanted all along. So what does that mean? Don't open the door to me. I'm not knocking. Don't let me in. That's not my position. That's not my responsibility. I'm asking you to let God in. I'm not God. So don't ever claim that I messed up your life. I shouldn't be in your room in the first place, your spiritual room. It should be God in there, not me. Let in God and let the world out. Show them the door. Because the Apostle Paul is greatly concerned for this church. He says, you've let in the wrong people. You are, you are uh, connecting with those who are here to destroy you. You are connecting with the unsaved. You are connecting with unbelievers. In verse 14, do not be unequally yoked. Do not bind yourself together. Do not partner with those who are going a different direction from God. And so let's take a look at the three points quickly this morning because I do want to give time to the Montavos, so we're going to go probably faster than I've ever gone. I don't mean faster as in speaking faster because that's scary, right? I speak fast enough as it is. I mean I won't expound on these points as much as I usually do. So I am going to give the truths, speak briefly on the truths, and then move on to the next truth. So here we go. Called out of darkness. Your room is dark. When you let Christ in, you let the light in. When you send Christ out, you've sent the light out. The world says they've got the light. The world says they've got the answer. But when you let them in, the light doesn't come in, which is why your life is still dark when you've opened yourself up to the world, which is why your emotional trauma, your spiritual trauma, even your physical trauma isn't fixed permanently by the world. Oh, the world has temporary answers. They'll help you. There's band-aids they'll give you, but there's no permanent fix from the world. Why? Because they don't have the light. They're the darkness. You get to choose what you let in your room, light or darkness, and you are called out of darkness into the light. Let the light in. So I see, number one, Open to love. You want to be called out of darkness, you got to be open to love. We saw where the Apostle Paul is speaking to the church and says, hey, you've straightened, you, you straightened your heart towards me. You've closed me out. You've closed yourself to me, to my love. So letter A, healthy communication requires both parties to open their hearts to each other. I've already kind of expounded on that with parents and kids, but I'll just mention it briefly one more time. Parents, if you say, I'm not getting through to my kid, I'll tell you what's happening. Your child doesn't want you through. You need to address that. Why are they closing the door on you? Because you can keep saying the same thing. If you don't recognize the reason why the door is closed, you'll never get to them, parents. So change the conversation from open the door, open the door, open the door, let me in, let me in, to why can't I come in? Find out the why. Address the why. And then get in there and have the conversation. And and when it comes to marriage, same thing. Spouse, you shut your spouse out. Spouse, you feel shut out by your spouse. Find out the why. There's probably a reason, unless you've married a crazy person. Some of you thought, well, that might be me. I don't know. Sometimes I think I have married a crazy person. Could you consider maybe they're thinking that about you? Maybe you're the crazy one. But look, unless the person's just crazy, there's a reason why they shut you out, all right? There's a reason. Find out the why. 
and then make a decision. Okay, now that I know why they're shutting me out, I will either keep doing the same thing. If you do, what will happen? You will remain outside. Or, oh, now I know why. You know what? I can fix that. Smart move. Now you're allowed inside. And now you can have the conversation. Healthy communication requires both sides to open the door. Letter B, relationships established in love provide the opportunity for conversations directed towards change. The Apostle Paul, he says, I love you. I've enlarged my heart to you. I want to offer you help towards change. Now, the Corinthians seem to, they do open up their heart, it seems, and there is an open line of communication after this book. So the, the goal of the Apostle Paul is achieved. And how was it achieved? Not by the Apostle Paul reminding them of their obligation. You have the responsibility to open that door right now. I am your father. Open this door or I'm kicking it down. I am your husband. Let me in this room or I'm kicking it down. You can go the obligation route. That does not end well. Some of you have experienced that personally. If you haven't, good. You don't want to. All right? Obligation route is not the way to go for healthy relationships. It's the route of I love you. No one, no one, honey, in this world loves you more than me. Please let me in. Let's talk about this. I love you. Honey, daughter, son, I know you're upset with me. I know we had a hard conversation. But I promise you this on my life. No one in this world loves you more than me and your mother, than me and your father. You remind them of love. Take away the obligation and just keep pushing the love. And when that door is opened, you can then have the conversation that results in change. Letter C, others may shut you out, but do not not allow them to shut you down. Right? Just because someone's shutting you out doesn't mean you have to stop. You tried once, knock the door, please let me in. Nope. Okay, fine. You know what? I'm done too. Then I'm out of here and walk out the door, storm that are slamming the front door as you go, driving the car out, screeching the wheels as you pull out of the parking lot, doing wheelies and then getting out of there, driving over your wife's favorite rose bush. All right. So, you know, they shut you out. So you're like, I'm going to show them, right? And they basically turned you off completely. Well, that wasn't very smart. Now you got to make up for what was the original and stacked on top of it what you just did. Don't let them shut you down just because they are currently shutting you out. Show them that love is unconditional. Show them, no, no, you know what? You're going to keep this door closed. So fine, Fair, honestly, honestly, my kids, I can't imagine this happening. Um, but I, I also am not so stupid as to know that it could never happen. Here's what I'll tell you would happen. My daughter locks the door and won't open it. I'm going to get a cot and I'm going to sleep in front of that door until she opens it. I will sleep out in front of that door. And when she opens it, she'll see me staring up at her. Hey, honey, how's your morning? I love you. Let's talk. She closes the door. No problem. I'll be here when you come out. I mean, I think you guys think I'm jesting. I'm not joking, okay? I'm not joking. You show them love. Do not cause it. Do not allow them shutting you out to shut you down. Show them unconditional love. I promise you this. You will win them over eventually. Unless, again, you, they're just completely crazy. Then you've got to go another route with crazy, okay? As long as they're not completely crazy. Love wins. Okay, let's go to number two. Open to love. Number two, 
refusing influence. Okay, so this is where the Apostle Paul is talking to the church, and he says, guys, you let the wrong people in your house. You let the wrong people in your room. You, you should be letting the light in there, and instead you've let the darkness, and as if, if you thought it was dark before, man, it's going to get really dark now. Like so dark as books describe it, you can cut a knife through the darkness, right? You ever been in the dark before where you can still kind of see barely, your eyes adjust, whereas there's times where it's so dark, no amount of adjustment to your pupils allows you to see like anything, right? That's the kind of spiritual darkness we're talking about when you let the world into your life, into your heart, to supposedly direct your way, right? And so letter A, Christians are called to reach the lost, not join them. Well, if you can't, if you can't win, join them. Well, God already won, so there's no need to join them to win because God already won. So then what's our goal? Our goal is not to join them so that we win. We've already won. Our goal is to, to get them to join the winning side. But if you shut God out and let the world in, you, there is no God to bring them to. If you say, God's not a part of my life, I'm going to join the world, don't try to make yourself sound like a missionary, okay? You're not fooling anyone. Oh, well, someone's got to reach the lost over in wherever you're going and whoever they are and what they're doing. Come on now. Are they getting saved when you're there? No, but we're playing the long game, man. They'll get saved eventually. No, they're not. Not the way you're playing it. Look, here's how you reach the lost. You don't leave Christ's side. That's how you reach the lost. You stay by the side of Christ, and now whoever is attracted to you will see Christ right next to you. So we put our AC units in our house, as many of you have done, right? If you didn't before this week, and you surely did by yesterday, otherwise you are crazy. And maybe that does answer everything else you've been asking yourself. All right, so the AC units in the house, the inevitably bugs come in, right? You, 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 know, you, you screw them in the window. There, there's going to be a gap. Why? Why do the bugs come in? Because your lights in your house are on. Those bugs, man, they are feisty little creatures. Little gnats, they want to come in through your AC. Some of them like flying through the AC unit, right? Before I've turned it on, and like moths are flying out of the thing, like... You, t- you went the hard way, bud. You could have gone around, but whatever, okay? So they're coming in your house because why? There's light in the house. Isn't it crazy how even thoughtless, mindless, stupid bugs get it more than humanity? Like, they're like, oh, we don't like darkness. We want the light. You know, and they go to the light, whereas humanity's like, where's the darkness? I want more darkness, right? Bugs are smarter than us. And you know what's worse? We as Christians, we should know better than all. And yet we think we can win the darkness by showing them more darkness. It doesn't work that way. You win darkness over to the light by showing them the light. You can't show them the light if you shut the life out of, light out of your room, out of your house, out of your life. Let the light in, and then those who are searching for it will see it in you and through you. Letter B, the saved and unsaved walk two different paths. Inevitably, one must leave their path to join the other or the relationship is lost. All right, so if you say, well, look, I am going to be a Christian. I'm going to be a strong Christian, and I'm going to join in a close friendship. I'm not talking business working relationship. I'm not talking, you know, meeting people in the store or even neighbors and and walking and jogging with neighbors. I'm talking like close-knit, we're best friends. One of two things has to happen. Either they have to adjust their path or you have to adjust yours because how can two walk together, the Bible says, unless what? They be agreed. Right? That's just natural. That's just human nature. If you're not both in agreement of the general direction you're going, you can't remain close friends. You can be acquaintances. You can be general uh, friendships, not close friendships. We're talking about close friendships right here. I mean, I would put this on the level of dating and marriage, obviously. No closer relationship than marriage, 
dating right below it, in my opinion. So what are you thinking, Christian, dating and marrying an unbeliever? You're not agreed. You're not going down the same path. You are, you are asking for one of two things to happen, heartbreak later or heartbreak now. The only other option is one of you changes your path. So if you're a devout Christian and you're not going to change and you're going to follow God and the person you're dating or going to marry or is married to is not a devout Christian, doesn't love God, is not saved, then one of you is going to have to make a decision to alter your path or there will be heartbreak. That's just all that's left. So the Bible is warning us now, do not get involved close, close relationships with those who are walking away from God because if you're walking to God, it's not going to work. Letter C. The Christian belongs to Christ. The world does not own you. Oh, they may claim they do. Oh, we, you know, the world is, do you know, you know the world is very, very upset with private schools? Do you know that? They hate private schools. They hate religious schools. You know why? How dare, how dare anyone teach children anything other than what we claim is truth. Now, obviously, the Christian private school has the obligation to teach truth. I get it. The problem is the world doesn't know what truth is. How do I know that? They themselves say that. When you ask a woman who is a woman and she doesn't know, I'm not really interested in what your definition of truth is. When you ask someone what is truth and they say, well, truth changes from person to person. There is no absolute truth. Truth is whatever you want it to be. Well, then you told me all I need to know about truth from your perspective. No, you cannot train my child. You're crazy. You don't know what truth is. I'm not going to let you convince my child there is no truth when you obviously are confused. But the world, you know, this may come as a shock to some of you. They think the same thing about us. They think we're crazy. They think that we don't know truth. When it, when it's, if we have a definition for truth and we stick by it. They have no definition and change it all the time. And they think we don't know truth. But they do think that. And so they hate Christian private schools. Not every person, obviously, generally speaking. Why? Because how dare we teach children anything but what they believe. Why? The world literally believes, like it or not, they believe your children belong to them. The government, I've talked to, I talked to a senator's uh, aide, this was years ago, and I talked to a senator's aide about private schools. This was in Washington, D.C., and I was representing um, the Association for Christian Schools in Connecticut, and they were just perplexed. It was mind-boggling to them that my, I believe the children belong to the parents. Like, they believe, like, the children, this, it's the state's responsibility to educate and train children. I mean, the parents' job is just basically to keep them alive and fed, and that's it. And it just, they couldn't comprehend this idea that it's the parents' obligation and responsibility to raise and educate the children. They think it's the state's job. They literally think the children belong to them. You don't belong to them. We belong to God. You have no obligation to follow the world. You have every reason to follow Christ. Point number three, chasing Christ. Verses 17 through 18. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, as saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Letter A. To chase Christ, you must first abandon your love for this world. You cannot chase Christ 
and keep looking back, right? That's you, when I, as soon as I say that, what story do you think of? Lot's wife, thank you. Christ literally says, let me rescue you from the chaos that is Sodom and Gomorrah. Let me pull you out so you do not die. And Lot's wife says, oh, but I love it so much, and turns to salt. You can't chase Christ when you look back at what you love, the world. You must chase what you love, which is why God says you can't love both God and mammon. You have to choose. Because if you love the world, you can be facing to God all you want and justify all you want and claim all you want. But if you love the world, it's the world that has your attention. You chase God only when you love God. So love God. Let her be. You cannot draw the world to Christ if you have not been drawn to him yourself. Wherefore, come out from them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Chase God. Touch not the unclean, unclean thing, and I will receive you. Have you been received into the arms of Christ? Have you been accepted as a child of God? And then once you got saved, did you actually, are you making efforts to love God deeper, to be drawn into a deeper relationship with God. I've got five siblings. I'm one of six kids in my family. My parents loved us all equally. You know what I've noticed? Not all of my siblings display an equal amount of love to my parents. I'm not saying my siblings don't love my parents. I believe they do. It's not shown equally. I have siblings who don't call my parents ever. I have siblings who call my parents maybe once, maybe twice a year some sporadically, of six of us. You see, God loves all of us equally. doesn't mean we're returning that love equally. doesn't mean we are being drawn into the arms of Christ in our own desire. Are you? You can't draw others to Christ when you yourself are running from him and are not drawn to him and received by him. Let us see. God offers a unique relationship to those who seek him first. Verse 18, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. God says, I don't just want to offer you like a better way, like he will. He wants to. That's, that's definitely part of his plan, the path, the narrow, the better path. God says, I don't just want to offer you a better way. I want to, I want to be to you a better relationship. I want to, I want to show you a better family. God wants to be your father. A lot of Christians think, well, I got saved, I'm good. God says, no, no, you got saved. Now let's get started. Now let's move forward together. I have so much I want to give you. I have five kids. And I remember holding my daughter, Abby, who's now 12, going to be 13, in about a week and a half. I remember the first time I was holding her, I thought, as I'm holding her, this is just the beginning. Like, I wasn't dreading it. I was excited. Like, this is, this is the beginning. I remember thinking of all the, the things I wanted to do for her, the things that I wanted to teach her, you know, the, 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 the zeal of a young new father, right? <laughs> I'm holding my little, and by the way, she was screaming her head off, my, holding, my, my little screaming daughter, Screaming at the top of her lungs, thinking of all the ways I wanted to make her world better. My daughter's birth was not an end. It was a beginning. 
And when we get saved, we are born into the family of God. Salvation is not the end. It's the beginning. And God's holding you and says, I've got so much planned for you. So much I want to give you and do for you success. What do you want? We know what God wants. You say, I try what God wants. No, no, I'm going to say this again. Just because someone said they were from God, you have only yourself to blame for believing that lie. Stop letting God's people in, good or bad, and let God in. And then, by the way, once you do that, you have the wisdom to better tell the real from the fake. But when you don't know God personally on a deeper level, you have no clue who these people are. So much damage caused to your life. And like the young prophet dying inside, right? But the young prophet literally killed because they trusted an older man who said, God sent me. You know what I'm going to say? Go find God. Find him in his word. Let God talk to you. Let's pray.